welcome to the Think Factory podcast. We got one question for you. What keeps you up at night? I'm your host, Chris Santamassimo from OGC Solutions. And of course, the Think Factory podcast is powered by OGC Solutions. And I'm really excited to be here today with Anthony Tepidino from Lionheart Brokers. Uh, what I'm always excited about, uh, Anthony, is the ability to talk to entrepreneurs, uh, you know, folks that are not only not only doing something in business, but in particular doing something in business that requires you know, a special touch, a special expertise, and and that definitely covers the service business. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to talk about your business, which is Lionheart Brokers. Uh, that's lionhb.com. And let's uh, l- let's see what makes you tick, Anthony. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Excited to be here. Thanks so much. Um, you know, so tell me a little bit about um, Lionheart Brokers and, you know, what Basically, what makes the company tick and what makes you a little bit unique when it comes to the insurance business? I find a lot of people uh, in business are, I wouldn't say suspicious, but they're a little bit unsure about insurance because they don't understand it. They know they need it. It's one of those necessary evils, they they say. But, you know, I can't think of something that's more important than uh, a really effective and a cost-effective insurance program, especially for a business you know, that's in some of the industries that you serve, uh, like construction. So just tell us a little bit about, you know, the what your focus is and what your your clients do and really how you make them, uh, you know, make them feel better about insurance. So, you know, here at Lionheart, we could write any kind of insurance, um, but our specialization is really on the construction side and, you know, multiple states, New York, New Jersey, you know, California, et cetera. Um, we know the marketplace very well. We know the carriers very well that operate in this area. There's not many, um, especially when you get into certain states. There's not many carriers that want to touch that market because of the risk associated with it, right? So having a broker that's familiar with those underwriters, that knows those underwriters, that, you know, breaks out those underwriters, you know, consistently and has a good relationship with them, you know, really gives you an in to get better premiums in, in one case, um, policies written. And really, again, you pushed up to the top of the line when you're looking for quotes. So you think, um, would you say the broker is not just somebody who sources insurance, but at least in my experience anyway, the the, the broker is uh, really important because you need one that's got relationships with the underwriters and there's a trust level there. A hundred percent. I mean, because the broker's for the client, right? I mean, the broker's job is to make sure the client's taken care of, make sure all their needs are met, you know, all those things, right? How could they do that if they're not connected with who's writing the policies? Yeah, you know, some of that, some of the experience that you have over time really creates that comfort level so that a, a, an underwriter knows that, you know, when somebody like Anthony is coming to the table and representing a client, you know, whatever you're telling them is going to be accurate and true and and they can feel good about the, the kind of information that you're providing, right? 100%. And, you know, one of the things we look at or you know, we look at a lot of things when we bring on a new client, but the, the most paramount thing is safety, right? Is making sure that the policy is being written correctly, that you're getting exactly what you need, and that you're given all the options in your arsenal to go and make a decision, right? Because with insurance, there's a lot of variability, right? You know, just by the way a word is mentioned in a policy can mean totally different things, right? And it could also mean that you're not insured by something that you may need to be insured by, mm. right? 
And why, what are you finding in, in markets like New York City, uh, northern New Jersey? You mentioned California, too. You know, what about the risk picture there is, is making a bunch of carriers sort of shy away from those markets? Because I got to believe there's a lot of opportunity there if you know how to insure it the right way. Could uh, you say it one more time, Chris? We have some noise in the background here on my own. Not a problem. Yeah. So when you're in markets like New York City and northern New Jersey and even California, there's a ton of opportunity there. But you mentioned how a lot of brokers are shying away from those markets because of the risk. But is it is it just a, a shyness when it comes to the risk or is it something that the, bro- the, the insurers just can't appreciate? You know, what is it that's driving those carriers away and limiting the market? I, I think I think it's both. You know, I think it's both. I think it's not understanding, you know, the space, one. You know, two, it's, you know, those policies do require a lot of back and forth, right? When you go and you you handle them with clients, I mean, there's a lot of back and forth involved, a lot of time that could transcend. And, you know, I can't speak for other brokers, but it seems like a lot don't want to deal with that, right? Do you think the broker is... Uh maybe inexperienced in many cases where they can't really characterize the risk or or show how the the client is is doing its best to minimize risk in a way that's going to be a little more palatable for a carrier 100 percent, you know experience you know is a big play especially you know writing insurance for the business you have to understand the business you have to understand business in general you have to understand you know what this business really needs based on the sector that they're in Right. So, you know, that comes with that experience. Like, are they a professional shop? Are they construction? You know, are they an LLC? Do they need workman's comp? Are they an S Corp, a C Corp? What are they? You know, so you, you know, understand the qualifications. Right. And, you know, I'm sure that virtually everybody who listens to the podcast, and I hope there are a bunch of people, but, you know, they they uh, are going to be looking uh, to buy their own insurance just about every year and looking at, premiums that seem to go up every year, uh, despite, you know, any experience history. You know, what what can some of these companies do, especially in the mid-market space, to make themselves a little prettier, if you will, for the insurers so that they can get a better, you know, a better look when it comes to buying their coverage every year? Well, the number one thing is avoid claims. <laughs> you know, yeah, your lips avoid to God's claims ears, if right? you can. Um, have insurance if you could control it have insurance for a long amount of time as that makes your experience rating go down right Right. um not jumping from carrier to carrier you know that'll help you too but sometimes in these clients defense i mean sometimes a carrier is you know often ridiculous terms you know you have to go somewhere else right yeah so if you're a maybe you're a relatively new company but you've got a substantial operation maybe in manufacturing that needs, uh, you know, needs a, a, a pretty uh, robust uh, program. You know, what, what can you do in terms of how you're describing the customer or how can you, you as a broker, create a package that makes, you know, or a presentation that makes the, the customer or the client look a little bit more attractive for, uh, for carriers? Well, one would have, an, a, you know, a safety program that's in place that, you know, mirrors a, a uh, a governing body that that focuses on that. I mean, carriers look for that when they're quoting. Um, another scenario would be more in-house control as opposed to subcontractors, right? It, you know, when unfortunately when a carrier sees a lot of subs, they see the risk is all over the place. Right. Um, you know, having that in-house there, um, having a basically an operation that you know you, you're not doing risky things you know, per se, 
Um, and then having a broker at the same time that it was take that policy out to multiple different carriers in that space and fight for the best price, right? Because that's going to give you more leverage. Gotcha. Yeah, you can't just go to one or two carriers. You really got to spray the market, but go to the right carriers at the same time, I would say. Correct. What's the right timing when you're thinking about renewing your coverage? You know, how, how long before renewal are you really getting involved with clients in a deep way? Good question. Um, to, honestly, as early as possible. Um, the sweet spot's about a month and a half. You want to be about a month and a half before renewal because that'll let you do a BOR, um, broker record Which, change, if you need to do that. Or you know, it'll allow you to negotiate with carriers. It'll allow you to, to get everything out there so that you're not rushing and panicking and just settling for the first price once renewal hits. Yeah. You know, I find that um, as we represent clients in a variety of things, we actually represent them even in insurance matters when they're not getting the coverage they, they're entitled to under their policies. Um, but for us, uh, um, creating a relationship with a client means getting to know their business really deeply. You know, how do they go from a raw material to a finished product? And how do they hire and, and fire people? Um, or how do they provide a service? You know, uh, is the broker somebody who really gets that involved to understand the business to that level in order to, to provide the right kind of service when it comes to risk management? I mean, that's really dependent on the client, right? But at the same time, it, it, it can be necessary for a broker to get involved like that to help that client out as much as they can, right? Because the broker needs to understand the client's business. So they're not getting policies the client doesn't need. They're not making the client spend money they don't have to, right? You know, they're they're looking for ends when, with policies when, when they come about, and they're understanding the ways to save money because of what the client is actually doing on a day-to-day basis. So that is extremely helpful. And what I, what I have seen over the years from taking over past accounts, and again, we're not going to talk about anyone, but taking over past accounts to where that might have not been done, things were written incorrectly, policies were out there that didn't even need to, you know, be there and the client was getting triple covered, you know, when they didn't even need it. And then they're spending thousands of dollars extra when they didn't have to. Right. Yeah. You know what? We see that sometimes too, uh, where the, where a broker, uh, maybe gets in over his head or over her head and doesn't really appreciate that, you know, there's going to be that double and triple coverage sometimes. Um, and they buy things they don't need to. that's where I think getting involved with a client early and really understanding, you know, what's their portfolio and how does it match up against the business is really helpful. Uh, just so that you know, you know, where you can, you know, where you can uh, get a little more cost effective and where you can streamline the coverage so that you've got the right coverage, but not more than you need to. hundred percent. hundred percent. And how do you layer coverage sometimes, you know, you know, for, for example, it might be less expensive to go to market and, and buy a $2 million underlying policy and then layers of excess versus say a $5 million underlying policy. Maybe has, is that something that that really comes uh, to the forefront when you're dealing with clients? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, and knowing the carrier too, but yeah, you know, say, you know, a client usually gets insurance based on contract requirements that they have with it, with, with a new client of theirs that's, you know, laid out in the uh, stipulation section there. And some of the times, you know, they're looking for 1 million, 2 million RGL, two and four, you know, what have you, you could get an umbrella that satisfies that coverage that's cheaper, right? right. But again, yeah. it, de- it depends on the sector. It depends on the experience rating. It depends on a lot of things, 
but normally if you're able to, the umbrella is a really good source to use when you need more coverage. Now, with the mid-market clients, do you see much uh, in the way of self-insurance as being part of that overall approach? It depends the size on the client, right? Because self-insurance could be risky, right? Because it comes from your bottom line. Um, usually in the space, you know, business with, you know, 800,000 employees, growing employees, you know, et cetera, their health premiums shoot up, right? Because they're offering benefits to their employees. They're having, you know, millions and for premiums in the health space. So it becomes you know, that point, it brings the question, should I self-insure, avoid this premium and kind of, you know, run the risk, right? Right. You would still need to get, you know, stopgap insurance in case you do self-insure, which which is costly, but it will save premium on the bottom line. However, you know, the problem is if there is a claim, you would be funding that directly as opposed to insurance. Yeah. So, uh, for those that might not appreciate what it is, what what is stopgap coverage, and you know how is that going to help you control the risk if you decide to self-insure or take on a big a big deductible? Well, stopgap is you know kind of like deductible, so so basically, you know it it'll draw the bridge in between a claim, but but at the same time you would still have to still fund. Um, basically, what, I, what my recommendation is it depends on your margin, right? If you're running at a ten percent eight percent bottom line i recommend to not self-insure because if you get a claim you're going to go under right you know if you're running at a bottom line of 30 40 percent you know high 30s with high revenue self-insurance may be the option right got to pick and choose what makes sense for you Mm -hmm. right it's all about the risk because you are playing roulette when you go self-insure this is true so you know, another area that we see a lot of activity among our clients is in the cybersecurity area. Um, I, I can't think of a, a day in which we don't get an email on our email boxes, even even with the best uh, best in class controls that is either a phishing attempt or, you know, appears to come from a legitimate source and isn't or there isn't some uh, concern among our clients or our friends about a cyber problem. You know, we're. What are you seeing in the in the market as it applies to cyber coverage? You know, are things getting better? Are they getting worse? Are they getting more expensive? And, you know, what are, what are they generally experiencing? Interesting you bring that up. I'm seeing a lot of it. Um, also, a lot of my clients uh, require cyber coverage um, based on the, the bigger clients that they deal with, right? If they're passing along documentation, sending emails, you know, uh, storing um, information in a database, they're going to require cyber coverage. Um, in all honesty, prices, premiums are going up right now um for cyber and you know they're 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 going up pretty moderately um you know what i've been seeing um i think it may may ease up in a little bit i think because there's a big influx for that because it's kind of i wouldn't call it new but it is newer and i think that's why it's 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 you know you see that big boom but you know i think eventually it's gonna it's gonna bottom out you know i i I get the impression from some that you know, some people in the market, in the mid-market anyway, that uh, carriers are not always giving the, the the their customers, their clients, the coverage that they think they're, they deserve. And they're looking for, you know, an excuse not to provide coverage or, so, you know, something that the, that the insured did that maybe was inconsistent with their application or inconsistent with what the requirements were under the policy. Is that really a, a risk that you see a lot of folks sort of stepping into? And the, and the, and when they do have a breach or an intrusion, are they seeing that problem? Well, yeah, I mean, that could be the case. 
you know, carriers really focus on business in their wheelhouse and that helps out, you know, you know, they need to make money too, right? So it helps out what they want to write. And some guys write construction, don't want to write professional. They don't want to write EPLIs. They don't want professional liability, stuff like that. You know, other guys that, that write that kind of business don't want to write construction. So it really depends on what's in the carrier's appetite. And again, it all goes back to options, having that broker that could give you, you know, that could give your policy everywhere in the market. So you avoid that. Right. Because if, if you're nestled and throwing everything to one carrier, you know, you're going to see, you know, stuff may not be covered. Policies that you need may not be granted and you're going to be overpaying for some stuff. True. You mentioned EPLI a second ago, which for those that don't know, it's employment practices, liability insurance. And, um, you know, for me, that's an interesting uh, an interesting uh, product in the insurance market because, um, number one, we uh, to the extent you have employees, we would say you've always got employment-related exposure. Um, you know, give me a sense for what you're seeing in the marketplace but, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, whether EPLI is, is for some an afterthought that's just a part of your general liability coverage or people focused on it when they go to renewal as its own, you know, uh, freestanding or self-standing product that needs uh, the same attention you would give to your GL coverage? Well, I, I think it really depends on the nature of the business. Um, EPLI is definitely needed. I mean, I have one client that didn't have any EPLI ex- exposure for years. And then just last year alone, they had two EPLI claims, right? So it, it can happen. The best way to go about it with EPLI is to write it as part of a policy with a with a good amount of coverage, meaning you get an EPLI, DNO coverage, crime, and a professional coverage all wrapped in one. You're saving premium that way, but you're getting all coverage across the board. Right, and even for a mid market client, um, you th- you think a DNO should be part of the the portfolio? And if, I mean, again, for those that aren't that experienced, directors and mid sized yeah. client, you know, thirty forty million if that's what you are, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, those policies are not that traumatic in regards to premium. Um, I would get it um, just for coverage purposes. Um, but again, GL would cover a little bit of that with completed operations, you know, exposure to a degree. Um, a professional liability will cover, you know, some of that as well. So, so Dino, you know, it could you could not get it, but. To be honest, for the price that it is, I would just get it, just in case. Right. It's going to just give you that added protection, even though you may never need to use it. But to your point, it's really part of a, a bigger portfolio with crime and EPLI, right? Yeah, I mean, that 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 that's a great way to, just in our experience anyway, to spread out some of the risk and, and save premium dollars just by, you know, sort of connecting all the little pieces together uh, in, in one, you know, one offering, which is great. Yeah. What's your experience uh, over the last year or so in terms of claims getting denied by carriers? Are you seeing the, an uptick in that? You know, that is claims that you think that ought to get covered, whether it's in property, uh, property and casualty or other things, or or things sort of stable in that respect. Um, based on what I've seen, and um, I have a client that's in a high risk group in, in New York, uh, you know, that has a considerable amount of auto claims, et cetera um weekly and even daily and then i have another client that's in the you know the liquor space who you know has a lot of risk associated with well as well for the most part i've seen carriers t- take control of that um you, you know pretty well i mean for instance we brought up eplli and I, I mentioned those two claims the carrier there and 
um, was fantastic in, in that in the EPLI uh, suits that we had there. And um, you know, I, actually, you know, client went to court, and you know, the suits were voided altogether. That's fantastic. You know, I, I like to hear that because I get a little nervous, especially when you're in a market where a lot there's a lot of recessionary fears that carriers are going to buckle down and more often deny claims, and they get a little aggressive in that respect. So at least in the in the mid market experience that you've got, at least you've got a, a you know good track record among carriers. But this can come about, right? And I'm not going to sit here and say carriers are always perfect. They're not. You know, no one's always perfect. There's always situations that arise, right? But at the same time, this comes from the broker yet again, right? Because there's certain things that you go and get a GL policy, you go and get a you know whatever it is. There's certain things that not that not be covered if it's not written a certain way, or if it's excluded, or you know, etc. And the broker needs to explain that to that client, dissect that business, and make sure everything is in there that's going to cover that client. Yeah, but to your point, if you don't explain it to a client, they're going to assume they have coverage for everything under the sun, and they don't because, realize what's because, covered and what's not. you know, let's get honest about this. You know, carriers, everyone's in the business to make money, right? Everyone's in the business to save premium. Carriers in the business to write premium, make money. <laughs> carriers are not going to cover certain things if in writing they're not, they're, you know, it's saying not to cover. Right. Right. And, and, and that's how they do their due diligence. That's like I say, I'm not going to cover this. If it's in writing that it's not covered or the policy doesn't cover it anyway, that's their argument point. Well, at the end of the day, it's a contract, really. You know, people forget that an insurance policy is really a contract between the insured and the insurance company. And what's covered is is identified and what's not covered is or what's not mentioned is not covered. So, you know, having that kind of a dialogue with your broker and maybe even your your counsel just to understand what the rules of the road are. So there's no surprises later. Um, I think it's really helpful for the, for the insured, no doubt. You know, you know, we always ask in the podcast, you know, what keeps you up at night when we talk to somebody, especially in the, in the business of managing risk like yourself, you know, so when you're dealing with clients or you're dealing with, uh, you know, understanding their businesses and seeing what they go through, what kind of, or maybe just as an entrepreneur uh, yourself building your own business, you know, what keeps you up at night these days? So, so right now the the Mets are keeping me up at night, and uh, and <laughs> well, the Yankees uh, are you know, keeping the other keeping the people on the Bronx yeah, up too, yeah, and, and the Jets. But um, you know, it keeps you up at night. I mean, honestly, is, is having to be good in anything, right? And or to be the way you want to be in anything. And you know, broker stands for this. You got to have pride in what you do. You have to you have to care. You know, you have you have the heart in what what you do, right? So you have to wear it on your sleeve and. You know, what keeps me up as night is, is is worrying about a client, you know, worrying about something, et cetera. And that's why you do business the right way. So you don't have to stay up. Or you stay up a little bit less, at least if you're worried. Yeah. It's because they're going through something they need help with. And that's something that, you know, that's what we do, too. So I totally understand that if you're um, if you're investing in your clients and if they're if they're in trouble, you're in trouble and you're there to help them out, which is great. This is a great chat. I, uh, I I wish you continued success. It sounds like, you know, uh, in an entrepreneurial business like yours, it sounds like you're really hitting it out of the park with some big clients, especially if you're dealing with New York City developers and construction companies. That's Thank fantastic. you, man. Thank you. And uh, hey, we're always growing, right? You're never stagnant. You're always, always looking for more, always looking to help more. So yeah, Indeed. Well, if you're interested to talk to Anthony, make sure you check out lionhb.com to see Lionheart Brokers. And I hope you enjoyed this installment of the Think Factory podcast powered by OGC Solutions. We'll see you next time. Thank you, Chris. Glad to be here.
Thanks, Anthony.